Okay. We're on. Uh, here we are. Welcome to the Free Hub Podcast, uh, live and direct from the Sunset District of San, San Francisco, California. Uh, we got a kind of special episode today. Uh, unfortunately, Mateo is not here. He couldn't get this time off work. Uh, you know, adult life. We know how that is. Uh, but we got a special guest today. Uh, I've known him for a couple years. You've probably seen him on social media. None other than Mr. Justin Nimi. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming in. Uh, Justin and I have known each other for a couple years. We were just talking about trying to figure out when we met a few years ago. Um, Justin's a Bay Area writer, Ripper. Uh, you might know him from East Bay Rippers. You might know him from some other projects. Uh, but we're going to get into all that and unpack it. So, uh, yeah, how you doing? Sounds good. Feeling great. Just got back from a ride. Uh, hit a new feature that I wanted to hit, so feeling pretty high from that. Yeah, what do you think of our little SF secret spot? It's great. I think it's really cool what you guys have. I think the culture out here is thriving, um, and as long as you can keep it sacred and not get it blown out, then you'll have a good time. We'll see, we're not doing a good job by talking about it in here, but yeah, yeah. Uh, well, what have you been up to, man? What's What's been going on in your life? Yeah, so currently I am uh, just finishing up my third semester. I'm in a nursing program, so that's pretty much been my full-time gig lately. Lately. Working. Uh, working as well, and then trying to produce uh, mountain biking content when I can, ride with my friends, and just have fun. It's tough to balance it, but I think I've been finding a groove. Yeah. Uh, you just lately. got married too, right? Just got married, yeah. Uh, March, we got married, took a honeymoon down to Cancun. It was a good time. And now we are back to normal life. Um, but yeah, shout out to my wife, Leah. She's great. Um, she definitely keeps me centered and she supports me in all my endeavors. So. It's nice to have that balance. That's cool. Nice, man. Uh, well, I guess I've known you for a few years, but I don't actually know where are you from. We recently figured out we're the same age. Yeah. Uh, both. Should we tell people how old we are? Yeah. Well, I'm 30. I think most people. I turn 31 tomorrow. Nice. Yeah. Happy birthday again. Thanks. Thanks. Happy early birthday. I'm 30 as well. 30 yeah. years old. Uh, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Yeah. So I was born in Walnut Creek, um, but I lived most of my life in Fairfield, California. Uh, that is where I live now, and um, Rockville's my backyard, so that's where I'm always riding. Rockville. Rockville. Shout out Rockville. Um, Parker would say they're the best trails in Northern California. Controversial. Controversial topic. <laughs> Be careful. Be careful with that. Um, yeah, so pretty much grew up, went to elementary school, high school there, uh, moved to Benicia, lived there for maybe like four or five years right out of high school. Nice little town on the water. Um, and then when Leah and I moved in together, we decided to settle in Fairfield, and it just so happens I'm riding distance from Rockville, which has been perfect. Oh, you're like riding distance? Yeah, I can ride. Yeah, oh. in like five minutes, I can be to the gate. Oh, wow. Which has been sweet. Um, didn't matter in the beginning when I moved there because I didn't mountain bike at the time, um, but it's proved to be you know pivotal in my riding experience. Yeah. Well, that was a perfect transition to my next question. How did you get into riding? Yeah, so I was a drifter. Um, so I drifted cars for most of my adult life. And I was in a place where I wanted to further my education and go back to school. And I couldn't drift anymore because I was just pouring. Wait, let's hemorrhage. get into that. How did you get into drifting? Yeah. Because like, drifting is something that, I mean, I just know it from Fast and Furious and Need for Speed. Like, I didn't realize it was like a thing that people went out and it was like a lifestyle. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I was big into the car scene, like out of high school, um, into modifying cars and doing things like that. Mm. Excuse me. So I had an old BMW 
And my friends posted on Instagram, like, are you sliding or are you hiding? And I was like, these guys are drifting. And I knew they were drifting. And so I was like, I want to check you out and see what drifting is all about. Yeah. So we went to the city of Vallejo and drifted on ramps in pouring down rain. And these it's like literally need for speed. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and these two guys who were like in the game were basically tandeming side by side, like crashing into each other while drifting. And I was hooked immediately. It was like the sickest thing ever. Yeah. Uh, wow. So I just went full in, full in, all the way, all in. Yeah. Um, and so I drifted like heavy for like three or four years, and then yeah, basically I was just so broke from drifting all the I was time. Say, it seems like a really expensive hobby, even more expensive than mountain biking. Yeah, it's it's debatable, I would say, but it's <laughs> worse because the you know you buy into mountain biking and then you have a bike you can go places it's relatively cheap but every time your car touches the tarmac it's hundreds of dollars right hundreds of dollars to get into the entry fee hundreds of dollars in tires if something breaks if you crash yeah and then when you get deeper into it you know you have a roll cage and you have to trailer your car to and from the event so it's just so expensive have you ever flipped a car Nope, I never flipped a car. Thank goodness. Um, I did crash into a wall once, and then I've during tandeming, which is like when you drive side by side, yeah. you occasionally will like hit people, and so yeah, I like I had some people spin and hit me. I hit some people. Um, luckily, the car was always fine. You know, doors and stuff like that broke, but yeah. So um, was deep into the drifting game, and then was trying to make a life change. I was working two jobs at the time, and just basically was broke, flat broke. Mm. And I decided to go back to school and I sold my drift car, sold my truck, sold my trailer. And then I was looking for something to do during the day between classes. Mm -hmm. And I had an old mountain bike. What did um, you have? I had a Trek Mamba 29er. Ooh, the Mamba. It was cool. It was so, it was like a 2010 or 2011. This was like 2018 when I started riding mountain bikes. So it was like a three by, but it had hydraulic brakes and stuff. So it was like, it was okay, but it was not fun. Right. And so I started riding Rockville Yeah. and then I was like, this, I can't do this. This is, there's gotta be a better way to do this. Yeah. And obviously you see people on the trails and you get some bike envy. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I need a full suspension mountain bike. <clears throat> That's what happened to me at Tamarancho. I was on a shitty hardtail and I saw all the nice bikes and I got bike envy and I was like, yep. Yeah. It's hard. So it's then, hard when you're starting off. What did you uh, upgrade to? Um, so I was kind of shopping and I decided um, I really wanted a bike that had Fox suspension and I wanted a Santa Cruz because Santa Cruz was just like everybody had one. Yeah. And this was like, yeah, one by, I think uh, 11 speed was prevalent. 12 speed had just dropped, right? So it was yeah. like Santa Cruz with the dinner plate cassette. And uh, I found a tall boy. So I got like an alloy tall boy. 2017 with Fox. I think it had a 34 on it, but I didn't care because I was like, it's Fox, Fox suspension. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I thought the same thing. I was like, I don't know anything, but if it says Fox, it's got to be good. Exactly. They yeah. make race car suspension. They can make mountain bike suspension, right? Yeah. yeah. It's got the gold. Yeah. 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 So bought the tall boy and basically the rest is history. Like it, it enveloped my entire life. Mm. Same thing with drifting, just going all in all mm. the time. Um, and you definitely go all in on the bike. Yeah, I'm kind of that way. Like, if I'm into something, I'm fully in it. And it's just kind of how I've always been. Hmm. I think now that I've gotten a bit older, I can balance it out. But I definitely just, like, find one thing and that's all I do. Like, I don't yeah. even want to go snowboarding anymore. 
I just want to ride mountain bikes. Just ride. I feel that. That's because riding's awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. And we have amazing trails here. So why would I drive to... And well, obviously in the summer I go to Tahoe. But during when it's firing, I'm going to be down here riding good trails. Yeah. Instead of up at the snow. We're spoiled in the Bay Area. We're very spoiled with the weather. Uh, what is it about mountain biking that you like? Like, I feel like everyone has something that kind of draws them. And then there's got to be something that keeps you there. Because it's a difficult sport with high consequences. Like, what is it that... What do you love about biking? Yeah, so I think in the beginning, I was more into the adrenaline rush of it. Mm. And I got on Strava very early on and was like really addicted to getting, you know, gold medals and stuff. Yeah, KOMing. So that was definitely what drove me in the beginning. I was looking for something that gave me that same fix that drifting did. Mm. Did you do action sports growing up? Were you like a skater? Yeah, I did. So as a little kid, uh, I raced BMX for a couple years. And then... There it is. Yeah. The BMX background. It always comes out. Every good rider is like, but I I rode BMX growing up. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I can't... Never did any tricks or anything, but I raced. So same sort of thing. I was like really addicted to going fast, right? Mm. So this was like between the age of 8 to 10. I like raced BMX, did that kind of thing. And then... um, I skated kind of like you through high school and then a little bit into after high school mm-hmm. and then cars basically enveloped my life and then came back around. So definitely take some hints from back when I was a little BMX race kid and that helped a lot when I started mountain biking as an adult. Yeah. Um, but I think now what keeps me around the most is probably the community. And that's something that's been so important to me because I felt like in the car community, that cohesiveness that's in mountain biking didn't exist. Mm-hmm. It was very much, I don't want to say dog eat dog, but people were just a bit different mm-hmm. than mountain biking. They weren't as accepting, you know, as approachable as they are in mountain biking, which has been really cool. Yeah. I noticed that when I got into riding too, that I thought mountain bikers would be like skaters, would be very clicky. And like, you couldn't go up to a group of skaters in the city and be like, can I skate with you for the day? They'd look at you like, what, what, get out of here, bro. Like, oh. But you can go up to, uh, my experience, almost any group of mountain bikers and be like, can I ride with you? And they're like, sure, man. Yeah. Where's your bike? Where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. And like, it's an inclusive community. And so, yeah, I resonate with that too. Yeah. I think that's what's super important, especially if you're exploring like a new territory or new zone and you meet somebody. Most people, sometimes you'll get that today. Exactly. Well, that's what I was thinking. So that guy's name was Henry, right? Teddy. Oh, Teddy, Teddy. Yeah. So Teddy, Teddy knows people that we know. And I always say this. Like every little mountain bike click, if there are clicks, right? Every little mountain biking group is connected by like one or two mountain bikers. So like yeah, that guy yeah. today was like, oh, you know, so-and-so. And I'm sure we did. We yeah. knew him. I'm like, oh yeah, that guy. And then, yeah, then exactly. And so now we know Teddy, right? And then yeah. now Teddy's going to be a part of our group or we're going to ride with Teddy. And then he knows people that know us, right? So we're all just like kind of yeah. in this web, which is really cool. Which is actually, I realize that's kind of, uh, I think that's how we met is that I was riding with Poe. Oh, and yes. And I threw, I don't remember how I met Poe, but I was riding with Poe, and then from Poe I started riding with Jay Wood. Yeah. Shout out Jay Wood. Bike some. Uh, and then I was starting to ride with Jay in the beginning of quarantine, and oh, then Jay invited yes. me to Rockville, and that's the first time I remember meeting you. Is you we, came to Rockville with we Jay? All, yeah. We and Poe? Yeah, Poe was there, and actually, dude, I think Mateo was there. I barely knew him, but he left after like 10 minutes because he had a back problem. Oh, anyway. I think I remember that. We were riding. Was this the day that we like sessioned with Poe and he was like, 
he was on his new bike and yeah. he was like had brake issues or whatever we were like jumping that rock mm-hmm. yeah that yep. day yeah uh-huh wow that's crazy that was 2020 yeah wow 2020 that makes sense because during 2020 that was when i remember like poe and jay were big in youtube at that time yeah i don't i know jay wasn't working because of everything that happened at uh the golf course yeah i don't remember if no poe because poe went fully online with his drumming so we were all just like riding bikes yeah and i was dude i was in school getting my teaching credential and everything got put on pause and like may 2020 the three of us rode like every day for like a month it was awesome Shout out Jay and Poe. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. I think that was such an important time for us because we had an outlet. And I think that that's one thing we took for granted was that we were able to do what we wanted still during the lockdown, during all the quarantine. Like 2020 was probably the best riding year of my life. Dude, same. And I always felt bad saying that because it was such like an intense time. But it was like, yeah, trails were open. There was no traffic getting to and from the trails. Yep. And you would just go out there and there'd be riders. Yep. And two in the afternoon on a Tuesday, the trails would be popping. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Isn't that uh, about the time you started uh, the world famous East Bay Rippers? <laughs> yeah, actually it was. Yeah. When it, did, uh, how did East Bay Rippers come about? Yeah, so I guess I should start with saying East Bay Rippers is a Instagram group. Um, it was started by me and basically Parker uh, Spencer joined later that year and then our friend Sully and the reason I started East Bay Rippers was because I had some friends that like didn't really post on Instagram and they had all these cool edits and um, I wanted to make sure that they had the content and it was out there so I started East Bay Rippers and then yeah people were vibing with the page they liked it they would share our stuff and we started like doing some group rides and meeting more people and then we started making merch Mm-hmm. And after we started making merch, then it kind of took off. I think I don't know if they were both kind of correlative, uh, correlative. Anyways, yeah. um, I don't know if they correlated, but I think that that kind of like built our success. And then people did. started seeing, yeah, people started seeing the tees and wanting the tees, and that yeah. was really cool. I still will see the original, the first tees. Like I'll see them occasionally out and about. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. No, super cool. And then people like Logan, for instance, like he always wears East Bay Rivers tees. Shout yeah. out, Logan. Shout out, Dewey. Logan Dewey. We love you, Logan. Dewey. Um, yeah, so it's just been really cool. And so I think that that was kind of something that I always dreamed of, like having a little merchandise brand mm-hmm. um, and also just kind of connecting people uh, I don't think yeah. in the beginning I wanted people to know that East Bay Rippers was me, but it was kind of apparent. And so, yeah. <laughs> but no, I think you did a great job of connecting people. I think there's this, there's a whole bunch of writers and their common thread is East Bay Rippers. And like you'll show up places and people are like, oh, those are East Bay Rippers or just like East Bay Ripper. Like, yeah, yeah it's kind of stuck. Yeah, I think it's been cool. Unfortunately, you know, there's been some drama around it and some people have said some hurtful things to me. And, you know, I'm a human. I still take those things yeah. kind of to heart. Um, there's so, always going to be drama. Yeah, that's kind of a shame. Um, but anyways, yeah, I think lately at least we've been kind of a bit quieter on the page than we were in the past you've also been in nursing school too so yeah that's true that's true i guess i think in the beginning we used to go out and create content with a focus that this was going to east bay rippers and then lately we've kind of all just been posting to our own personal pages Mm. so the page has lost a little bit of traction um, but we've still been doing some fun stuff and i still have some merch for sale and stuff like that Go check it out. East Bay Rippers. Check it out. It's a sale. Teaser on sale right now. But yeah, we might do some more stuff. Um, 
man, if I were to say one thing about making the merch, it was like the collab that we had with Shredder's Digest. Oh, that was, that's one of my favorite shirts. I love that one. That was so cool. Like, I guess, because I, I idolize them a lot with just the, so it's uh, Zio is the guy who's the artist and like his talent and their brand in general Dude, is just art, so cool. Yeah, it's really, yeah. It's yeah. like if I could, if I had artistic skill and could design my dream t-shirts, it would be Shredder's Digest stuff. Yeah, their yeah. stuff is sick. It's very expensive, but it's so high quality. Actually, yeah. you got the hat on. I got a hat on. Yeah, I got a Shredder's yeah. Digest. I'm wearing a Shredder's Digest hat right now. Shout out Shredder's Digest. You know, we'll we'll take some merch for the podcast, Shredder's Digest. You know, just put it out there. <laughs> they would probably send you a design. They're super yeah. cool. But yeah, that guy Zio, he's, he does amazing art. And I think that was probably like the highlight of you know starting the merchandise brand and the Instagram page was being able to have something designed by him and print it on tees and basically have it forever. Yeah. They're cool shirts. I got North Star mud, which is a thing that doesn't really exist, but I got mud from North Star on the shirt and I didn't wash it for like a week because we were in Tahoe and I still can't get the mud out. So I'm kind of pissed because it's right over the graphic. But Uh, Yeah, the live wire, when they used to water it, it would just wreck your t-shirts. I vividly remember being like, I'm not wearing this shirt at North Star or I'm not riding live wire because it's wet because I don't want to mess up my shirt. (laughs) I don't want to mess it up. Which sounds kind of vogue. Yeah. Um, so what's up with the, the bike swap thing? Um, seen it. Seems like a really cool idea. Uh, yeah. What's going on with that? Yeah. yeah. So I'm actually upset that I missed the step up jam and they happen to be the same day. So yeah, that was a bummer. Yeah. We did um, miss you there. But. That was, that looked sick. Yeah. But yeah, so the bike swap started because, so the Bay Area bike swap is an event that I hosted with uh, Bay Area bike project, which is a nonprofit and their mission is to get more kids on bikes. Love that mission. Yeah, they're amazing. And we've done some really cool things lately with getting foster kids on bikes. And I got, I had the chance to do a coaching session with a foster kid. It was just so special. It was so special. Nice. Um, but I had reached out to my friend, Darren, who like was selling bikes during COVID 2020. He like had a kind of, you know, bike flipping thing going on. Mm-hmm. And I said, Hey, I want to do a little bike swap. Let's do it at like a commercial plaza, you know, a couple little tents and try to sell some stuff. And he involved Danielle, who is the owner, I guess of a Bay Area bike project. And mm-hmm. when we got Danielle involved, she realized it could be like a big event and we could host it at, you know, a Heather farm park in Walnut Creek and get a bunch of sponsors and do yeah. an event, a festival essentially. Mm-hmm. So we did it last year. And unfortunately, because it was a first time event, it was tough to get people to buy in and the market was still kind of weird. Whereas like it's completely 180 this year around, yeah. right? Like last year they had like no supply and things couldn't, you know, we couldn't get supplies or, sponsorship stuff so we did the bike swap last year it was a success we made money um not that much money but still a successful event so this year we had you know some literature and some um sponsorship packets for that and we were actually able to get some more sponsors and host a a really rad event Mm. so the event uh consisted of obviously pop-up tents like vendors and then our main sponsors, and then we had the BMX demo as well as the bunny hop competition. Yeah. And that was something that we did last year, but we did it at the end of the event. It was at like the event ended at like two and we did it like right at two. Uh, well, this year we did it at one smack dab in the middle of the event and yeah. it was awesome. It was yeah. like, it felt like something at a, a legit 
uh, Sea Otter or Sedona, you know, like people were lined both sides. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. It on. The yeah. DJ was hyping everybody up. And so we did the bunny hop competition. That was really cool. And so the winner got like a engraved trophy that Danielle made. Who and was then, the winner? Uh, Samar won. He's, uh, he's actually one of the guys who did the BMX demo. So we had a guy who won on mountain bike and then we had a guy who won for the BMX contest. And yeah, they won a hundred bucks. So that was pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. Um, I thought I was going to take home the mountain biking segment, but I got to 34 inches and then I couldn't clear 36 inches. So what was the uh, winning number? The winning BMXer got to like 40 inches. And Damn. then the, <laughs> the guy who won on the mountain bike, who won the BMX competition last or won the bunny hop last year on a yeah. BMX bike, he got to like 30, uh, 38, 38 inches. 38 on which a full is suspension? 38 on a full suspension mountain bike. Yeah. That's it was crazy. insane that's to hard. watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Super talented guy. His name's Bert. So Bert and Samar won the bunny hop competition. That was really cool. Nice. Um, so yeah, I don't know what the stats about the event this year, but we think it was more successful. It was much more kids this year, whereas last year was more like teens. Mm-hmm. Um, this year was more like adults and kids. Um, so in the future, we may continue with that um, kind of demographic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it was such a fun time. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it looks so cool. That, yeah, that's the bike swap. Nice, man. That's a good thing to do for the community and like anything to get more people on bikes and access to it it's always good yeah and the bay area bike project um their mission is to get more kids on bikes but they're also advocating for bike parks locally so they've teamed up with uh joel he's trying to get one built i think in like berkeley yeah the berkeley waterfront park yeah Yeah. exactly which is like it's happening yeah i think it got approve or one level of it got green lighted for something yeah so it's like the cusec which is like the committee that goes out and does all the foundation make sure that it can be a bike park yeah they already went out and did that stuff so i think it just needs funding and Barry bike project can help with that so we're working on the berkeley one now and then they've been pushing for one in like pleasant hill martinez which is like most of where the committee members live Mm -hmm. they're pushing for one now so hopefully we'll get one soon they're going to do like a waterfront revamp so hopefully a bunch of bike parks will start popping up and we can you know facilitate and and push these parks yeah yeah have you uh heard about the gilroy bike park oh yeah that's like we pipe dream about yeah, yeah it sounds really cool I don't think paper. Yeah. I don't know if it'll happen ever, hopefully, but I think realistically, if they just at least built some trail and there was a fire road, then at least people could access it on e-bikes. I feel like there's enough e-bikes in the South Bay that would go and ride it and pay. Yeah. And that could at least be a start, you know, if you don't know, there's a, I don't know if it's like a winery, but some company owns a whole bunch of land and they uh, sent a petition request or whatever to the city of uh, Gilmore to make a lift serve bike park and they made blueprints and everything and the internet was really excited and then there's been like two waves and then it's kind of disappeared so that's what we were talking about yeah I think it would be cool it sounds cool I don't know what the status is and it seems like it keeps getting um, blackballed and I don't know why but who knows it would be cool yeah then we wouldn't have to go all the way to Tahoe for lift access it'd be nice Um, well we uh post the clip on our instagram but justin did a pretty big send today in our uh quote unquote secret spot in san francisco uh but all that was you know you're trying to film content uh what's up with this mike spikes sponsorship partnership that you got going on tell us about that yeah so i signed on with mike spikes this year um as an ambassador for them they don't have an ambassador program currently or they didn't have one until now um, so we're still kind of finalizing the details, but yeah, I'll be riding for mics. Um, I'm riding a giant trance X advanced right now. I'm not on the transition like I was 
previously. So you'll be like demoing bikes, doing reviews type stuff? Yeah, that's the goal. The goal is to get me on a few bikes this year so I can try different things and then basically create content around, you know, similar to what I'm already doing, um, but just have a wider focus Mm -hmm. and then making specific content, you know, for mics and for their Instagram. Nice. Hopefully we'll have some, we got some shoots planned and then I want to do some bike park stuff this summer. Um, So yeah, we laid out the schedule and we're working on some stuff. So that's cool. As of right now, it's yeah, still a work in progress. All right, here's one. If you no budget, if you could just have your dream build bike right now, what would it be? Yeah, right now, uh, a bike that Mike sells, or just in general? In general, just any. Yeah, your dream I, bike. I'm really big into high pivot bikes right now. All my friends have high pivot bikes. Yeah, so, so we saw today the dreadnought. Yeah, which we saw today. He was riding a dreadnought, the blue flame color, blue heat, blue something. Yeah. Um, so I think that would probably be like a high pivot bike of some sort. The crest line is really cool. Um, but probably realistically, probably a dreadnought would be like my high pivot dream right now. What would be your, uh, dream brakes? Man, I've been on the Haze Dominion brakes for a very long time. Uh, Super solid. I, I really love them. Yeah, I've been on them since actually bikes saw them. Uh, recommended them back in 2020. Yeah, that was the first time I, I rode them was on. Shout out Jay Wood again. They were amazing, <laughs> and he had them on his Mega Tower, so I bought them back then. They were like $330 for a set, which is crazy, right? Oh, per set? Oh, yeah. An entire set for 330 Wow. Yeah. Now they're like probably 300 each. There's, there's, They've gone up so much. Yeah. Um, but I think I really want to try the TRP DHR Evos. A lot of people run those. They're sweet. Um, yeah. The and bite the, point is like effortless. Yeah. The gold uh levers look really cool too. yeah I like those yeah. they've got gold and silver and then black yeah which is really rad i think i'd probably just go black but there's they're sweet so yeah. that's probably be it'd probably be a high pivot bike and it'd probably have trp brakes carbon or aluminum <sighs> what are we talking about here are we talking Fair. about bikes or are we talking about wheels both both bikes and wheels okay so bikes i think that carbon is cool because it's lightweight yeah um and it's just kind of it's like bougie a bit mm-hmm. right yeah we, we like you like tapping the car exactly and it has a little like glow in the sun it's just a little different yeah. exactly well especially the paint job on this current bike i'm on it's like raw carbon and it looks awesome yeah I think that aluminum bikes, after riding the Transition Patrol for a while, and you know, I had the tall boy in the beginning, I think that aluminum bikes and carbon bikes are on par quality-wise. It's yeah. just the weight of the aluminum bike, especially on the big climbs. Like my Patrol weighed like 40 pounds, yeah, which is a tank. That's but about, it, I think mine's like 38, yeah. It felt super robust. I never questioned it when things got sketchy, but it just was a heavy bike. Yeah. Um, so I think either or would be fine. How about I, for wheels? I really, I like carbon wheels. Same sort of thing because they're like bougie. Yeah, and no, I got my carbon wheels, the lifetime warranty too. Yeah, they're yep. cool. I've cracked a lot of carbon wheels. So I'm kind of getting to the point where I think that I've, I have an alloy wheel that's been super solid on the back. Mm. Um, the Patrol specifically, I had a 27.5 alloy wheel. And I think that if you get it laced right and it's a good alloy hoop, it can be just as good as carbon. Yeah. And a lot of companies are starting to do that, offer lifetime warranties on their uh, alloy rims now because I think you get it built right, good tires, like you're solid. Yeah. I think yeah. that the new reserves are look pretty cool. Then you blow up a reserve? 
I blew up. Yeah, f- I blew up four reserves. Now. Four reserve reels. Yeah, always Dana the McGaskill, same. You hear that? It's always the same. <laughs> it's always like the same sort of rock strike. Doesn't matter if I have double down downhill cush core. It's like the same sort of side hit rock strike that will take a wheel out no matter what. Which I think aluminum would have just dented. And yeah. then I would have been able to ride away, which sometimes you can ride away on a carbon wheel. Sometimes it explodes and you're done, right? Yeah. So I think that now I'm leaning more towards aluminum wheels, robust ones, though. I don't mm-hmm. really care about the weight penalty. So I would probably go with like a DT Swiss, like EX511 or something like that if I were building a dream build right now. Nice. I kind of feel that way, too, with like aluminums. At one point, it seemed like carbon had such an advantage. And it was like, you have to have carbon. And now it's like, I don't know if you can have full aluminum and ride just as hard and same reliability. So, yeah. Yeah. I think with the enduro scene, the carbon means less for wheels. It means a lot for cross country guys. Yeah. But in the enduro scene, uh, alloy wheels just as fine. Yeah. Um, what do we got? Uh, what would you, I'm going through my list of questions right now. Let's see it. Uh, all right. I'm going to throw some out. Uh, whips or tabletops? Ooh, I do love a nice whip, but I love tabletops. I always wanted to have like a super clicked tabletop. Yeah. And the first like celebrity rider that I rode with was Ryan Rodriguez. And I wanted to tabletop like Ryan so bad. Wow. Yeah. He had him so clicked and I just focused on learning how to tabletop. I went as far as like laying on my back in the garage. And oh, I do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I still can't do them, but I do that. <laughs> it helped. It helped a lot. I think that it was just one of those things. It's like, just like wheeling, you know, you just have to, every time you ride, you just have practice. to try it. Yeah. You have to try it. If you're not trying tabletops every time you go out, you're just not going to get them clicked. Mm. Um, so I would say tabletops. Whips are sick, especially like a nasty scrub whip, like, you know, Remy Metallier. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be so sick, but I just, yeah. at the end of the day, having a nice flat tabletop is just, it's so sick. Yeah. All right. Tabletops. Uh, SRAM or Shimano? I'm assuming we're talking drivetrain. Yeah. He said haze brakes. So, okay, yeah. Drivetrain. Yeah. If we're talking drivetrain, I really like SRAM, especially the new transmission stuff. Mm-hmm. I really want to try the new transmission stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I've been looking at some other bikes to ride as well. And I definitely want to ride something. Is that with... the new thing with the no derailleur hanger? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. your bike has to have a UDH. So like it would work on your bike. Your yeah. bike has a UDH. Um, but yeah, it removes the derailleur hanger. It fixes essentially the derailleur to the frame. So yeah. only the cage moves forward, which prevents tons of chain slap that was happening on the previous models. Yeah. It shifts better. The cassette's completely reworked. The chain's new. Yeah. Um, it's kind of surprising that it took this long. Because I feel like people have been so sick of derailleur hangers. And then it, like, it was, what, two years ago, they came out with the universal derailleur hanger. So you could have done that 20 years ago. And then it's like, it's cool they're doing it. It's just a little overpriced right now, I think. It's like, yeah. It's like a third of the price of my bike. or Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think what XO is like eighteen hundred or something like yeah. that. <laughs> you could yeah. buy a full complete bike. I mean, not the yeah, best, but you could. <laughs> yeah, you can buy a Polygon for like seventeen, eighteen hundred, which is crazy, right? You can yeah. buy an entire bike, but I think that the functionality is there. I think that I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. Hmm. I would justify that purchase easily because of yeah. just the functionality of it. Like it's yeah. so functional. You're going to drop chains less. It's going to shift better. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm on board. No, I'm into it. It's just, uh, you know, once they start sending free stuff over here, then, then I'll rock it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, what are your thoughts on e-bikes? Uh, um, I like e-bikes because they allow people to ride more trails in a specific amount of time. Mm-hmm. I think there's a issue with e-bikes specifically because people have been able to buy e-bikes and ride trails that they have never ridden before on a normal bike. Mm-hmm. So now they have a heavier bike and they're learning on this heavier bike. And they're on top of a mountain they wouldn't normally climb. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's like a bit of a trail access issue, you know, and also like a, a rider skill issue when it comes to e-bikes. Did you see how... Uh, I think it was specialized in their patent for their latest e-bike. It says like generally riders of electronic bikes are less skilled than those of regular bikes. It said it was, that. It was written into the patent. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just think that a lot of people got into mountain biking because e-bikes made it easier, which is good. Yeah. I, I think that people should be able to ride bikes, but I just think that unfortunately there are some downsides to it. And it's that, that they're riding the trails, you know, improperly on mm-hmm. a heavier bike more times so yeah it's kind of a it's a double-edged sword yeah i like them i think they're functional i don't have one yet i don't ride them often but i like that they can allow you to access more trails and get more laps in a specific amount of time like it works perfect for the parent who doesn't have a lot of time but still wants to ride yeah and they have steep climbs in their backyard that they would only be able to do you know one lap or something like that yeah that's kind of how i feel i'm like if you if you're a long-term rider and you get an e-bike, cool, good for you. If you get an e-bike as your first bike, it's like cheating. Like if you get to go with the rite of passage, you have to get like a few crappy bikes, build up to a nice bike. You got to get your climbing endurance on. And I feel like a lot of people skip that and just bought eight to $12,000 crazy e-bikes. And then they bought the whole kit and it's like, oh, I'm a rider now. Yeah. It's like, I think that's a lot of people feel frustrated. It's like, no, you haven't put in your time yet. And then the e-bike just lets you skip all of that time yeah that's fair one thing i guess i'm concerned about too is that the tech is being uh surpassed very fast oh yeah and so the older e-bikes that completely outdated exactly so what's happening to them right like are we recycling are we recycling them are the batteries being reused i don't know and so that's something we're gonna have to consider in five to ten years right there's gonna be this whole slew of bikes millions of e-bikes produced in 2020 right and where are they gonna go yeah no, so that. that's something I don't think a lot of people are talking about, right? Because as the motors get older, they're not going to support them with aftermarket parts and stuff like that. They're just going to be like, oh, you need to get a new one. Yeah. It's so, going to be like computers, how like a computer from like 2001 by the time it's 2010, which is so obsolete. It just right. It was in the trash. It wasn't even worth it to recycle it. And exactly. Yeah. So. So that's a concern. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, all right. What? Going back to my list of questions. What's the worst crash you've ever had? Um, so I have two bad crashes and I'll, I guess I'll talk about both of them because they're bad in different ways. Mm-hmm. So I would say by far my worst crash was on King Kong. Oh, yep. That was my worst crash because the severity was so high. Yeah. Like That's, even, if you even talking about it right now. Do a deep now, dive on Justin's Instagram. Uh, if yeah. you could explain the clip, but he's riding King Kong. Looks like everything's good. You come off of one of the drops and you just go straight to the right. Yeah, yeah, it's a gnarly yeah. one. So you, he, you remember down, the clip? Yeah, he's going down like. I mean, if you don't know the trail, King Kong, it's in Utah. Is it in Virgin? It's in Virgin. It's in Virgin. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's extremely exposed. And if you make a mistake, you're falling 
what's the elevation? I don't even it's know. It's really high up. Down Hundreds steeper. of feet. Yeah, you don't want to do it. And uh, that's pretty much what almost happened to yeah. you. And it looked like you were pinned and didn't even seem like a mistake. It's just like you just landed and something just... Yeah. Yeah, so... Oh, gosh, I'm getting shaky, like, just thinking <laughs> about it right now. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so we dropped in. I had never been to Virgin before, right? So I show up and this guy was leaving. He's like, hey, I want to ride King Kong. It's my last day here. So... With Ryan and Chelsea and a bunch of people. Oh, really? Yeah, I met shout them out, out there. Chelsea. there we yeah, go. shout out Chelsea. She was just <laughs> on here. So I'm with Ryan and Chelsea, and we're like working our way down piece by piece. This guy named Walter was the one who was leaving that day. So we get down probably like four or five features in, and it was getting kind of windy. So we were trying to time the gusts, which you can't time, but yeah. we thought we could. So Walter dropped, Ryan dropped, and I was like, good, I'm going to drop. Like, one, two, three, go. Yeah. yeah. And so I start dropping, and when you look back at the clips, you can, like, hear the wind, like, picking up right as I'm coming to the ridge. And I'm like, okay, it's going to slow down as I'm dropping. Well, I drop, and it just pushes my bike. So I land, you know, completely just spew off the side of the ridge. And I knew when I, like, fell off my bike that it was bad. And you can hear me saying that in the clip, like, it's bad. It's really bad because I knew there was like an edge. I didn't know what the edge looked like, but I knew there was an edge. Yeah. And I was just digging, digging, trying to find some sort of ground. And luckily I like come around really quick from spinning and I see blue sky. And so I just like dug my heels, dug my hands in and stop. And I was like a couple feet from the edge of just pinballing down. Yeah. Jesus. And, <laughs> yeah. So I jump up and I'm like, I'm Okay you know, pure adrenaline. And then I realized that I had like separated my AC joint. Oh really? Yeah. So I couldn't ride down the rest of the trail. And did that hurt or was your adrenaline pumping? It was, it didn't really hurt that bad, but it was just, I knew I was done riding. Like I couldn't ride. I couldn't barely lift my arm up to put it on my bars. Oh. So then I had to walk down the rest of Kong and I basically told the crew like, Hey, I'm just going to get going because I know I'm going to be on this mountain for a while. I want to just get down. Right. Yeah. How long is Kong? Like a mile, two miles? Uh, it's not that long. No, it's yeah. it's only like fifteen total features, I think. But you're each feature, you're right moving a few hundred feet down the mountain. Yeah, yeah. I think like, when you look at the fastest riders who ride it, they ride it like in under a couple minutes, mm. like top to bottom from when, when you come off of Monkey onto yeah. Kong. But it's not an easy hike out, so no, it's not. And yeah. there was some drops, so I had to like throw my bike down and slide down this jagged. Utah rock to get down because I just didn't want to wait for the the guys. I didn't want to ruin their time on Kong. I just wanted to get down. I didn't want them to worry about me yeah. anymore. No, I know you. I've been there. I'm like I'm just I'm making it to my car by any means necessary. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I went back, got to the cars, and I was actually I knew at that point I was wrecked and I wasn't going to be able to ride. So I just packed up my car and drove home. Yeah. Damn. I was like I'm not. Did you have to get surgery or what was the No, no. So yeah, they have like multiple grades of AC separation and mine was probably like a two or a three. So like within a month I was back on the bike riding like nice. You know, low risk, um, low impact kind of stuff. But yeah, I was done. So yeah, I just drove. I was like, I'm just getting out of here. I don't want to be in this desert anymore. I can't ride. Yeah. Gnarly. Yeah. So that's probably I would say that that one is still my worst because of how just like how bad it how risky it could have yeah, been yeah it could yeah. have been yeah glad yeah. you're here with us <laughs> thank you yeah man that was terrible and so second to that would be my triple j crash which oh, you've probably seen that video yeah uh-huh. yeah what did, did you did you break your back yeah so i yeah. broke my back in three places yeah okay, broke my okay. clavicle 
and uh, bruised my spleen. So I had to take an ambulance out of there. It was pretty embarrassing. Fuck. But yeah. When was was that? 2020? 2020. January 2020. Damn. Yeah. Dude, I didn't know it was... I knew you crashed, but I thought like you walked out and then later found out your back was broken. Yeah, I did walk down the hill because I knew the ambulance was gonna have to get me, and I didn't want them to have to like cart me out of there. Uh, so I like walked down to the right into some houses, and then my friend called an ambulance and they picked me up right there. Wow. Damn yeah. Man. Why did you think you uh, what went wrong on the Triple J crash? Yeah, so I had rode it when it was dirt. Triple J is a jump at Carlmont that now has. A wooden lip. This is before yeah. the wooden lip? No, it was the wooden lip had just been built. Okay. So I think they lock it up now, but it wasn't yeah. locked up or anything at that time. And uh, I had seen it on Instagram. I'd seen some kids riding it. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll, I'm hitting this jump. I had it in my mind made already, which is, I think that was mistake number one. Yeah. So I arrived and I was looking at it and I'd never hit anything that vert before. And I didn't know the speed. And there was a sign on the jump that was like, don't hit this jump if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, I remember that yeah. sign. Yeah, and I saw that. And I was like, okay, I'm never gonna hit this jump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I saw that sign and was like, I'm fine. I'll. I know, I know how I'm, to ride yeah. bikes. This is no big deal. Well, I had never hit a jump that was that vertical before, so I had no idea what I was doing, and so I went in like with the normal amount of speed I thought, and just got completely bucked so bad. Ugh. So I did like basically three fourths of a front flip and landed like on my back with my shoulder basically taking the brunt of the impact and i knew immediately so did your what made contact first your front tire or your back so i got launched i was still holding the bike for a good majority of the spin the bike didn't like leave me i think until like right as i was hitting the ground yeah and what made contact initially was like i stuck my hands out and my hands like kind of hit and then i like went into like a roll kind of Yeah, yeah so i like landed most of the uh, force was to my right shoulder, which blew the cl- clavicle out and then, you know, damaged the AC joint again and then went straight to the back. And I think like the flipping into the back was what like oh, cracked God. the vertebrae. Sounds yeah. horrible. <laughs> yeah. So that was, and I, I was pretty messed up about that crash, but I don't think as mentally messed up as I was with Kong. Kong yeah. Just cause the adrenaline. And, yeah. 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 How long did it take you to recover from your back being broken? Um, so luckily the way that I broke it wasn't like through the vertebrae. It was like more like the outside of the bone. So it was more about like the muscles and, um, all the innervation in that area. Mm. So I was back on the bike like six weeks out, but it hurt bad. I remember it feeling like burning when I would ride. Cause that's, have you ever had physical therapy before? Yeah, only for my ankles, but yeah. So, like, when you first start doing physical therapy, it, like, it gets hot and kind of burns. Yeah. I don't know if you remember feeling like that. Yeah. But that's kind of what it felt like when I got back on the bike. Like, I was very timid, and it just burned really bad for probably, like, the next few weeks of riding. Uh, do you feel that going to nursing school makes you more aware of your injuries and how to recover? Because you're like, oh, I have my, you know, whatever, vertebrae. I don't know. That was not yeah. But, like, do you feel like you have more of an awareness of... Probably. Yeah, probably. I so I was in e, I didn't mention this, but I was an EMT um back in 2013 I got my EMT certificate and I worked as an EMT for a while. So I think that it's pretty on par. I would mm-hmm. say that more about like the processes and where it is in the body, I'm probably a little bit better like anatomy side of it now cuz I've taken those classes. Yeah. Um but I'm definitely more nervous about certain injuries now than I ever was before because we're learning about them and we're seeing them yeah, in the you hospital. see it every day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of tough to deal with like 
Yeah. Especially, I hate I hate saying like at this age, but at the age of the old ripe age of <laughs> yeah, 30, 30. Oh God. You're thinking about that kind of stuff more, no, right? Because how much life true. do we have in front of us? And we're mm-hmm. thinking about it differently than we were at 20, yeah. 25. And the financial costs of being out of work and yeah, exactly a lot of other stuff. The right? burden of your family needing you, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, no, the worst crashes and being an adult. What's the worst job you've ever had? Oh, geez. So my first job, I worked at a recycling zone. It was horrible. Yeah. So it's like one of those places where you take your cans and you like weigh them and they like smash oh, them yeah, into yeah, bricks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So I worked there and like the first hour we would just be like shoveling and brooming just like stuff that flew around the plant. <laughs> and then depending on the day and how busy it was, I would have to wade into like big giant piles of cans and bottles and pick stuff out yeah so that was yeah it was just a terrible little job i was like 16 right i just i got eight dollars an hour i remember my checks were like 56 bucks after tax right eight (laughs) dollars an hour for eight hours and so i was like wading through garbage for 56 bucks a day (laughs) which sounds crazy now yeah yeah, that was definitely the worst job i've ever had also working in retail like i worked in retail for a while and that's it just sucks because kind of what we were talking about earlier with like performance metrics and people you know yeah you need to sell x amount to these customers and if you don't then yeah yeah Yeah. so retail is tough so if anybody is listening and you work retail i applaud you you are a special human for being able to deal with the retail side of things yeah that's a tough one yeah oh injuries and jobs where are we going now uh i guess on the note of jobs kind of related i don't know uh what advice do you have for young writers i feel like what kind of a lot of people liked about east bay rippers was like it's a platform and i feel like that kind of attracts younger writers i remember when i was a kid i was like wanted to know like, who's posting skate videos who's the filmer who's out what advice do you have for young kids trying to get out there and be seen yeah i think that what's crazy about these younger kids in mountain biking is you'll meet some kid who's like a super shredder and then you'll be like, dude, are you on Instagram? You know, how am I supposed to see your stuff? And then you'll follow them and they have zero posts. Mm-hmm. Dude, same thing with skating. Like the best skaters have no following and they're like, oh, I, just, I just skate. It's like, dude, you could be pro. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I almost feel like envious of them to be so disconnected from social media mm. because I don't know how you feel about social media. This is probably a topic in itself, but yeah. Sometimes I feel like I need to check it, right? Mm-hmm. And I need to be up to date and I need to be keeping in touch it's with like these people. It's like checking your email or literally checking like literally checking your mailbox. It's like I need to see what people said and I feel like I have more conversations on social media than I do through actual texting. So it's like I'll take a social media break and like where are all my friends? Oh, they're all in my DMs and yeah. it's like yeah. Yeah, so I feel this like I want it, like mental health wise, I know it's so bad for my mental health and I'm aware of how addicted I am to it. But then it's like the addiction is also facilitates your life. So it's, it's a weird space. We're the yeah. first and only generation in history to be dealing with this. And yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm going on a little rant, but I've noticed the younger kids, I think they have a better understanding of social media because it was there when they were born. And they're just now hitting that where generation alpha is like they're fully born into social media. Yeah. And I think their brains, it's not as big of a deal. It's like us with TV, like like you know like the 20s 30s 50s 40s 40s 50s they're like oh tv's ruining your brain kids are addicted to tv and by the time we were born it's like yeah we watch tv but like 
we still had our lives. And I feel like that's kids with phones. It's like they've kind of, I've noticed, maybe I'm trying yeah. to project optimism to it, but I think younger generations have a better understanding of like, yes, it's addictive. Yes, I could spend all day on it, but I want to go live my life. Interesting. I've kind of noticed that a little bit. So I think that's what you're saying is like, there's some really good kids and they're like, yeah, I know I could do all that, but I just want to ride my bike. Yeah. Like, yeah. Interesting. I don't, hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. I think that these kids, they do have a different grasp on it. But also, are they not tapping into potential? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where the drive comes from. Because I feel like often I'm I'm driven to do things I like. And I'm driven to post them and share them with people that I like. Mm -hmm. But how important is that? Maybe we make it a bit more important than it needs to be. And these yeah. kids are just so tapped in that they don't need that. Yeah. I feel like our generation's also seen people like go from nothing to all of a sudden they're hanging out with celebrities, like signing these contracts, living these crazy lifestyles. And it's like, what did they do? Uh, they just had like three viral posts. That's I true. Feel like, I don't know. Like, at least for me, I kind of feel that temptation in my brain of like, you could be the next one. Yeah. Something and, like it's so naive. And it's like, I mean, at least for me, I know I'm not like the writer that's going to be doing that, but you still have this little temptation. And I wonder if there's a thing from our generation of watching people come up, Yeah, you know, where like the other uh, new generation is just like, whatever, it's just part of life. Anyway, that, we're going on a rant. We probably sound old to young people. No, that's interesting though. And I think that that's part of the drive that I have to like produce an edit or like a video part is because we grew up on video parts. Mm-hmm. And you drop one of and you remember like all of a sudden you see like, like Tommy Sandoval in a zero video it's like oh my god that guy's like so sick and then you're obsessed with like when's his next part dropping and he became like a celebrity in your life and yeah yeah well something that I always go back to and we're in San Francisco right now but it's like Jim Connor 5 Ken Block like he you know does donuts on the Bay Bridge Mm -hmm. starts off on the Bay Bridge Um, how the hell did he do I think how did you shut down the Bay Bridge they, so I, he had so much money. Yeah, I saw yeah. something on this recently. They actually only paid the city of San Francisco a million dollars. Only a million? Only a million, which they said by today's standards, it would have been like over 10. Oh, yeah. But so yeah, it's still a million dollars. He had a million dollars. He was able to shut down project, the yeah. Bay Bridge and a bunch of streets in San Francisco, right? Dr- yeah. Drift around the trolley cars, that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's something I always go back to, right? Like, where is our inspiration coming from? Yeah. Is it just coming from social media? Because I don't feel that inspired by social media personally. I think that sometimes when I'm doom scrolling, right? Is that what they mm-hmm. call it? Yeah. I'm like, this is not, this isn't it, this isn't it. And every once in a while a video resonates. I'm like, that's really cool. Yeah. But I think most of what inspires me is going on like pink bike and looking at the edits. Yeah. One of the edits I'm thinking of specifically is like the... Uh, Brog and the Braga uh, sound of speed the most recent one where he was just like sending everything straight to flat yeah oh, dude I love that video right so that I think that's probably where we get some of that is like all also old skating videos you know cool motorsports and then that's where we get our content so yeah maybe yeah maybe it's just different yeah it's interesting to think about so anyways, yeah, I guess for <laughs> coming back around yeah, yeah. young kids and and now maybe I appreciate the fact that they don't post because mm-hmm. they have a different grasp on it. Yeah. But I think that getting recognized would be so much easier and maybe that's not important to them. But I think that these kids who shred could have solid social media presence. Yeah. 
and could be sponsored or get flow products or whatever, whatever they want to do. Yeah. But they're not tapping into that potential because it's not being shared. Yeah. Double-edged sword. Yeah. Social media. It's a weird day and age. I mean, yeah. I could go on a whole nother. What is, yeah. It, what but. is social media like for you? Because I think my grasp of it's probably different than your grasp of it. Like, what do you, what do you think about it? What, what's your role in social media? I mean, I don't know. I was like I said, I think it's like this addictive thing, but you need it in life. And, yeah. uh, I think it's also, I talk about this with my brother, uh, what you consume on social media. Cause like I'll click on one video and I'll be like a rapper talking about something. And also they'll put me in this clickbait of just like really dumb videos. Mm. Like, why am I watching this? Like I yeah. literally feel like my IQ is dropping the more I scroll. And then I'll get on like, I'll see like a really cool mountain bike video and then I'll show me clip after clip or like fest series it's like i click yeah. on one fest series videos and i go on a rabbit hole fest series i'm like oh that's cool like i want to consume this i like seeing writing it's inspiring it's going to motivate me on the bike and so i try to be aware of that and like unfollowing certain accounts and then being more conscious of yeah what i'm consuming and also the time of day like i'll wake up and i'll be 6 30 and you'll just be like do i need to read or hear about whatever stupid drama yeah or like there's all those i'm going to rep but all those interview people it's like on the street and they're interviewing i'm like why do i why am i yeah. watching this what am i doing so i try to be conscious of like what i'm consuming through it um but yeah it's tough and then when you're off it yeah it feels like you're missing yeah. you're missing so much and so, uh yeah what about checks and balances do you set any sort of like guidelines for instance, like, do you wake up in the morning and say, I won't touch my phone for X amount of time, or I won't go on Instagram I for should. X amount of time? You I don't should. do any of that? I should. I I have a problem with, yeah, I wake up and uh, I Shoot try to not to phone. do social media right away. Okay. I generally check my phone. Um, but yeah, I try not to do that. And there's so much evidence that just says it's so much better for your brain to not consume yeah. it. But yeah, it's the addiction level. And yeah, sometimes I wish we didn't have phones. I'm not that we didn't have phones. I wish we didn't have smartphones. I just wish it was like 2004 yeah, and we could we only could text back. and call. And like, yeah. that was good. We just could have stopped there. Yeah. But when's the last time you knocked on someone's door? Yeah. Or exactly. like memorized a phone number. Right. Exactly. Call. Do you remember phone manners? You'd have to like call your friend's mom. <laughs> Hello, Mrs. So-and-so. Yeah. I want to talk Nimi to is Peter. Justin. Yeah. Is he available? To- oh, he's not. Okay. Have a good day. Yeah. I'll call back. Yeah. yeah. That's Can you call me later? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's... It's definitely something to think about. Yeah. yeah, I've lately at least I've been trying to not be on my phone at certain times. Hmm. But I definitely, especially if I'm posting something or I've been talking to people about something, I feel that urge to yeah. check it. Yeah. Like I'll leave it in a different room and I'll feel it oh, yeah. pulling me. It's it's weird that dopamine rush yeah. and the reward. And I mean with the podcast too, it's like today I spent so much time just like getting the episode uploaded. Is the picture right? Yeah. And it was like yeah. Just trying to be aware of what I'm doing on it, I think, is really key. Yep. Yeah. Well, away from phones. Yep. Um As I look at mine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's hard not to. Uh, just a couple of questions. Uh, what's your favorite, one of your favorite, if you have a favorite, bike videos or parts? Like, What would be your go-to to watch if you, if you need to get inspired? Yeah. Nowadays, I watch a lot of Remy and Yoan. Oh, yeah. And, not to. Yeah, anything with Steven Vanderhoek. I love those guys. I think their stuff is rad. Um, 
So that's probably where I go to with most of my stuff lately, at least. Who are your favorite writers? Kind of jumping around. Who are your yeah. favorite writers right now? Right now, it's probably like locally, I would say Ryan Rodriguez is one of my like idols, and he's also a homie. Yeah. Um, so I would Ryan's say. Ryan's super nice every time I've talked to him. Yeah. On the low, like. Uh, yeah, on the on the local list, I would say he's there. Obviously, my friends that I ride with a bunch, I would say that they're probably writers that I look up to and get inspired by. Yeah. Um, but for like actual pros um, who are on YouTube stuff like that, definitely, I would say Steve. Steve's probably my favorite writer right Steve, now. What's his Vanderhook? Last name? Yeah. Vanderhook. Vanderhook. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely one of my favorites. Um, I just like his style and his vibe, and he doesn't really have a social media presence, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, he just posts, you know, fire clips. I've DM Steve, and he replies back to me. He, what up, Steve? He does. Yeah, <laughs> Steve, if you're listening, remember me? I sent you a photo of my cat. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's really cool. But definitely Remy and Yoan the most because. So I've done some coaching like in the last two years mm -hmm. and I take so much from those guys and the way that they ride and try to translate it into the way that I ride, especially when it comes to like steep stuff, you know, and bike setup because they've got it figured out. Those guys can ride, especially yeah. Remy, right? Like he rides stuff like my suspension surgeon. is at the hundred PSI. My tire is 28. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's so dialed in, right? Which is crazy. Cause I'm not that. I'm not that tuned in as he is on every little thing, but I definitely think that there's things to be learned from these guys, especially. Yeah. Remy's so precise. I'm a set and forget. And I remember like when I watch him ride, he's like, oh, I'm going to take, you know, two PSI out of my shock before this drop. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. He knows. Yeah. So who do you, who inspires you? Who do you? I mean, Remy, I mean, he's so good right now that it's like, it's undeniable and he's killing the YouTube game. Yeah. Uh, I love Matt Jones. Uh, he's always been one of my favorites. Matt um, Jones, remind me again. He's like the he's, he's like a dirt BMXer. jumper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On Marin, um, and he has a whole bunch of like crossover. He's got a big YouTube presence. Uh, a whole bunch, all the local writers. Honestly, like I feel like we have a lot of really talented writers. Like Euron popped in my head, dude. Uh, Andrew, I don't know your last name, Andrew. We're always at Pacifica. Andrew's like amazing on a bike. What does he ride? Uh, Isn't it funny how we identify bikers by what a, they ride? He had a white specialized. I think he just got something else. Um, he's got a few different bikes, mm. but um, he's a chiller. He's really good. Uh, I mean, it's hard. It's overwhelming. There's so many good riders in the local area. Yeah, um, should we just do like a major shout out? Yeah, of major like all shout out. Logan Dewey. Logan uh, Dewey, love you, dude. Ethan Ventura. Ethan's. So oh good. yeah, Ethan's dude. gonna be something. so. Yeah. Did you know his dad built Triple J? Yeah, I would say shout out Frank. Yeah, <laughs> Frank I talked to built Frank. Triple J. Yeah, he was at the Step Up Jam, and we were talking. I went up to him, and I was like, I don't want Ethan to win another event, but I think Ethan. didn't he flip? He flipped the the he, Step Up, right? Yeah, he flipped it. Yeah, he did. He's so he did good. every trick. Yeah, same uh, thing with him. Like I feel like on social media, he's not on it very much, but he shreds. Yeah. He's so good. He's too punk rock. He's like, no, nah, I can't. Yeah. yeah. I saw like a clip of like just some random drop they were building that was just insanely massive. And I'm sure he's hit it by now and there's no clips of it it's at like all. like the one in the middle of the field. Yes. Yeah, I saw that one too. Mega. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's a big list right now. But thinking on my homies, shout out Aiden Sellers, Logan Dewey. Dude, yeah, Aiden is a legend. Actually, yeah. so when I first started getting into jumping bikes... Um, was on Treeline and Will Sharney. I remember specifically him being like, which, oh, Will, Will, where you been? Where you, if you're listening, Will, where you been? I haven't heard from you or I seen you. I think he you. Uh, became a firefighter. 
Oh, I remember I talked to him about EMT school and stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we'll have to ask Aiden where Will is, but Will was definitely an inspiration for me. He has a clicked table. So does Aiden. But yeah. Will when has I started a... writing, Will was like, yeah, he was hitting all the jumps I thought I'd never hit, and he was good. Yeah, killing it. Those dudes had downhill bikes on tree line, and they were just making everybody look like squeebs. Yeah. yeah. So he inspired me definitely in the beginning because I like couldn't jump. I couldn't clear four or whatever. Right. Like yeah. I was still sizing it up and will was like dude you got it just yeah. go all the way to seven you know just do it yeah yeah, yeah he did one uh where i was scared to hit the wall right at pacifica or go up really high and he went all the way to the top and then bunny hopped at the peak of the wall so ride sick. and then like recaught the wall and Rad. it was like mind-blowing i was yes. like, you know you could do that on a bike it was sick Speaking of that wall ride, did you see when Ryan went from the lip of the step up and oh, yeah. gapped into it? Dude, I bring that up all the time. Like, it defies the laws. Of, like, where he took yes. off, like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I don't know how he did that. That was so sick. Yeah. I would never do that. I want Ryan's 360s, too. Yeah, Ryan's got sick three. Oh, mm -hmm. Paul Jackson has a nasty three. Shout out, Paul. Paul Jackson. Oh, yeah, Paul's such a ripper. Dude, there's too many. That's the thing. I can't start naming people because there's just going to be people I leave out. And then after this, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's 20 other people I didn't say. Yeah. But there's just a good scene right now in the Bay Area. Yeah, so if you were going to take one rider that you ride with skills, who would you want to take their skills? Not that they would uh, not have no, their not skills have their any skills. longer, but if you were going to like embody them and ride like them, who would you want to ride like? I want whips like Euron. Euron. Euron Satcher. And I want threes like Paul Jackson. Sick. I love the way Paul does his threes. Yeah. Uh, I want to be able to jib like Matt Reynolds. Matt Dude. can just do all the little jibby things. Yeah. And I'm so jealous because he's got the BMX background. Yeah. I wish I could have like, yeah, whips, threes, and jibs like way better than I have them now. All right. So sick. you'd take pieces of all of them. Yeah. I don't know if there's like one rider. Who would be your one rider? Honestly, it's probably Euron. He's <laughs> Euron, what up? He's so effortless. Euron was probably like my inspiration for the past maybe like two years. Like when I met Euron, he was just like so down to earth and like, oh yeah, what's up, man? You know? Yeah. And it was just like fresh and nice and new, right? And then you watch him ride a bike and it's it doesn't even look like he's trying. And it Dude. doesn't matter what bike he jumps on. He can do the same tricks the same way on any single bike. Yeah. It does. It's and he, uh, he's posted clips when he was like 15 hitting jumps at Carlmont. And when Carlmont has looked the exact same for 20 yeah. years. And he was like Hard teased rock. out at 15. So shout out. Euron's like yeah. 20 blocks from where we are. He's in the sunset yeah. too. Shout out. Yeah. He's He posted clips of him riding Zs as like a little grommet on like a downhill bike that like didn't even fit him. And he's <laughs> just like sending all the jumps. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this is back from like the 2000s. I'm like, dude, freaking A. He's so good. But yeah, yeah. I'd probably say you're on because he's just, he's got crazy steez. It's insane. Yeah. The boy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so speaking of all the awesome riders we have in the Bay Area, uh, what would you like to see more of in the Bay Area riding scene? Like, what would be your dreams to see in the next year, couple years? Hmm, I guess two things. What I've been seeing lately is we've been seeing a lot more women in the sport, and that's been really cool. Yeah. Like, I was shuttling in Santa Cruz recently, and there was a car full of women, and that was rad. Yeah. The Step uh, Up Jam, we had a whole girls category. We had a 14-year-old yeah. girl throwing suey no-handers on the Step Up. It was insane. Really? What was yeah. her name? Her name was Olivia, if we have it correct. Okay, cool. Uh, I saw she, Samantha went. Yeah, yeah. Samantha went. I saw some clips from her. Yeah. Olivia. Okay, cool. How many girls were there total, do you know? 
three. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it, Still. it was Chelsea, Samantha. But it was the fact they came out. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. also the level of writing. I was like, I was yelling through the megaphone. I was like, show the boys how to do it. Because they were. They were throwing yeah. bigger whips. than yeah, it was sick. Nice. Yeah, it would be cool. I, I definitely think it's on the ups you know, with... Since 2020, I would say it's on the ups for sure. Yeah. Um, and then just so much of a women's free ride movement, which has been so cool. You mm-hmm. know, you just had Chelsea on. Yeah. I'm sure she's inspiring so many yeah. mountain bikers to get out there and, you know, get Cindy, not just ride trails. Yeah. She was talking um, about a possible women's category at Rampage. And I was like, dude, that would oh fire my gosh. up. And like, I mean. They should have one. They had yeah. the women's free ride event. Yeah, formation. Yeah. Formation, right? Yeah. yeah, and that was awesome. That was so cool to see, and they yeah. were sending it. Yeah, the drop that Chelsea did just off top was crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, yeah, I would say that probably too. We've seen some legalization of trails in the Bay Area, and that's been really legalize cool. it. Legalize the trails. <laughs> well, that's something that I took for granted in the beginning because I rode Rockville, right? And mountain bikes have been legal at Rockville since 1980 something. Huh. So huh. the user conflict just doesn't happen. I'm sure occasionally it does, but, but people know that there's exactly bikes there. yeah. people know that there's bikes there. And so when we ride mountain bikes on these unsanctioned bootleg trails, the hikers and the equestrians always have the upper hand and they always will. Mm-hmm. And some zones, it's not as bad as others, but some are terrible. You'll get screamed at, you know, people get bucked off their horses because mountain bikers are going too fast, whatever. Yeah. Worst case scenario or stuff. If you're in Bellingham, you'll get stabbed. I would, yeah, that's, oh my gosh. <laughs> Hopefully that never happens here in the Bay. But yeah, I would say that the, the Brioni's pilot project is happening now, which is cool. It's awesome. So there's five, I think five trails that are technically legal. Um, unfortunately that is, you know, we are getting legal trails with, um, some trails being closed as well. And that's something that the diggers are not stoked about. And some of the mm. locals are not stoked about. Yeah. Open up, legalize some, you close out. Exactly. Rest, that's yeah. not what they want. But the, I talked to the ranger recently. He's like, we have no choice. We've got a biologist that's out in the area surveying the land and we've got protected watersheds and erosion areas and some of the trails aren't sustainable, so unfortunately they're going to have to go, mm-hmm. which sucks. I get it. And someone spent a lot of hard time on those trails to make them, and they're yeah. fun. Some of them are really fun trails. But then if they redirect and they like channel that energy to something that's not going to be torn down. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we would hope, but you know, there's sort of a mentality like, oh, you take one trail, we build two more, right? And yeah. so I'm hoping that that doesn't happen. This or- is obviously a pilot. We're going to figure out how it plays out. Hmm. But trails that are hopefully sustainable in the system that are bootleg will get signed and they'll be legitimate and we can ride them and they have they have signs at the bottom that say downhill traffic only yeah now we're dropping trails and we don't have to worry about anybody coming up people could still come up but they're the risk is much lower right there's a sign at the bottom that says don't go up it so you know it's coming yeah and then hopefully these legalized trails are rowdy and fun too because i know a lot of people will say that it's like don't legalize the trails because then they're gonna make them all blue grade and so double track and whatever so that's so. not happening right now at Brioni's. um good which is good so the trails have drops and gaps and stuff and they're all still running nice they're talking about armoring some creek crossings and stuff which is fine because there needs to be like ride around for yeah. these features and i'm cool with ride arounds but i don't think they want to sanitize the trails because they know mountain bikers like those trails for a reason right they want to yeah. so i don't know it's it's hard it's a hard line to kind of toe because people might get injured there right so what do you do yeah but i think what we're, we're seeing in marin is like they're building flow trails right flow. yeah, yeah. flow <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, we love Tamarancho, but Tamarancho is the only flow trail I think we need. <laughs> right. Yeah. And they build a flow trail. It's like, okay, it's four feet wide. It's got, you know, berms that don't hold water and they're not any fun to ride. So yeah. I think that hopefully we don't get more of those because yeah. yeah, it's great that trails get built, but that's not what we're looking for. Yeah. Or you have the SF McLaren bike park where you raise a million dollars, then nothing happens for 15 years. What then, is the status of that place? Is it like BMX it, or what is it? It's about the size of the room we're in in my living room practically it's tiny and it's a pump track around like a little middle section with two wooden wall rides it's a huge waste of time and a disastrous waste of funds it doesn't seem to make any sense no there'd be wall rides in the middle of a pump track it's it's crazy um and it's going ramp but people are like they they think just sf just pocketed the money because they raised tons of money and then there's a whole bunch of time with no action and they've allocated this huge spot of land and they're like oh yeah we're gonna do phase two with a real jump line and that's just beyond dead in the water like that's never gonna happen yikes Uh, but they have a donor's wall of people who donated if you go to the park and it's a whole bunch of like you know bay area names i think people were really hyped and it's like oh we're gonna have a legit bike park in sf and then it just went now it's like laughable so I think that turned a lot of people off from like donating and legalizing stuff in the Bay Area. But fair enough. Yeah. Um, are you taking any bike trips this year? Do you have anything yeah. on the yeah. docket? What do you got going on? Uh, I'll be in Bellingham for a week at the end of June. That should be really fun. Euron will actually be there. Oh, sick. So speaking of that. Uh, have you been to Bellingham? No. I'm so excited. Sick. Uh, so I'm doing a, like a week going up, riding along Central Oregon, Bellingham, then coming back down and... Should be fun. I have a lot of time off work, which I've never had before in my life. So I'm excited for that. Do you have any goals, any trails you've been looking at online that you want to hit? Shh, blue Steel. <laughs> blue, blue, steel blue Steel? Is, I, I'm not going to claim it on the podcast because a lot of riders I know have told me, don't claim it. You're going to go there and be humbled. And yeah. so I know that. I've also heard just, uh, what is it, Galbraith Mountain. I've just heard there's so much fun stuff. So I just yeah. want to get out there and explore. Yeah. And I can't remember the name, but Logan was telling me that like one step down from Blue Steel. Yeah, the, the cedar the cedar dust jumps. Cedar, yeah, yeah that's where Logan spent most of his time. Yeah, everyone's told me those are super fun. So yeah. clearing that line realistically and maybe Blue Steel, but just going out there and then uh, I want to check out Black Rock too on my way back. I'm nice. Go Black Rock and that's supposed to be a really awesome zone. So Yeah. Any other spots along the way? Ashland, uh, Sandy Ridge, Oak Ridge. Post Canyon? Thinking about Post? It's on there. Okay. I got to figure out how to like connect to it. I was going to go to Bend, um, and then Chelsea was like, nah, I don't yeah. I've been to Mount Bachelor once, and I'm like, eh. It's kind of out of the way. If you want to hit biking spots on the way, you definitely want to go up five. Yeah. So, so I think I'm going to yeah. go down, go up the central co- or center of Oregon, and then come down on the five. Got it. Yeah. And then hit Ashland. Yeah, going down the five, there's way more riding. Yeah. But yeah, I've heard Oak Ridge is really fun. So I want to get out and do that. I might go to Mount Hood, explore that. But sweet. Yeah. Anyway, what about you? You got anything planned? Yeah, same thing. I want to get up to the Pacific Northwest. I went to Whistler last year. Mm-hmm. So I want to, I was going to try and go back up there this year for maybe just a couple of days. Nice. Um, I'm not really sure. I think maybe I want to go up to the Pacific Northwest. I'd like to go back. I went to Galbraith two years ago yeah and i didn't look at blue steel because i didn't think i was going to ride it was it there two years ago yeah it was there it's been built i think four or five years now Oh, okay um but yeah i didn't think we were going to ride it we didn't even ride the red line at cedar dust Hmm. you have to plan the the wind out there so you have to like i think you ride it in the morning it's not that windy 
Mm, you got to gotta, yeah take a look at that when you're out there okay um but we rode the black line and then i was like maybe i'll look at blue steel but we didn't end up going so yeah. i would like to ride blue steel too yeah. and i think uh i would like to say that i'll hit blue steel i think you got it i think i could do it it's just am i gonna get in my head about it and yeah i yeah. think if you have a toe yeah. you know somebody who knows the trail well and you can match their speed a toe that you jump like too yeah. right like don't fall don't follow Paul Jackson into blue steel because he's going to boost all the jumps and you're going to case them all. Oh yeah. Go, yeah. So like somebody who rides kind of like you that can tow you in, that's going to be pivotal. Yeah. That's going to be super important. Um, nice. but yeah. So like even Logan, Logan's got pop dude. Yeah. No, I ride. Yeah. When Logan, if I follow Logan, I catch up to him right yeah. away. Yeah. So you keep that in mind because yeah. just getting a toe, like I know a lot of people say, just get a toe. It's going to be fine. But you need to know what that person jumps like. Cause yeah. if they jump totally different than you, it's going to be bad. Yeah. I've done that. I've hit Aiden's tire in midair one time. And that's when I realized, that, I like, oh, I think I do. I think you pop higher and I go oh a little faster. Gosh. Yeah. I almost killed him. Did neither of you crashed? No, it worked out. Like we literally tapped tires in midair and then I did a bar turn and the bar turn like just moved me away enough. And then I landed and he had no idea it happened. He was in air and he was just like, he turned around. He's like, what? And I was like freaking out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So don't do that. Don't follow too close. If I can give you any advice. Yeah. Well, uh, outside of your trips, anything else you want to tell the people about? Nope. I think that if I was going to give a message, it'd just be be kind to other trail users while you're out there. If you see a biker and they're riding by themselves, just ask them, hey, you know, you know where you're going. Have you ever ridden here before? Don't be afraid to take people under your wing. And I always say it too, I'll ride with anybody once. So like if you've been thinking about you want to ride with us or something like that, as long as we're not in protected zones, feel free. DM me on Instagram, and I'll gladly ride with you. Hit him up. Hit me up. Cool. Be on the lookout for more East Bay Ripper stuff. Also be looking out for these Mike Bikes edits and the clip that we got today. Yeah, we got uh, some fire. It probably will already be live by the time this goes live, but yeah. we got some sick stuff. Yeah, so check it out. And, uh, dude, Justin, thanks for coming by, man. I'm glad we did this. Thanks for having me. It's my first time in the Sunset District of San Francisco. Yeah, we are. It's been a good time. Cool. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks for listening.